Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hey, it's Sean Elling. Maybe you heard. I'll be taking over as the main host of Vox Conversations this fall, and I'm still coming at you on Mondays until then. But I wanted to let you know that this month we have something a bit different for you in the feed on Thursdays. It's a collaboration with our colleagues at Even Better, Vox's new section about our individual and collective well-being. I'm Julia Furlan, and I'm your host for Even Better, a special series on Vox Conversations. Setting a boundary with anyone in your life can be really tricky. Sometimes you feel uncomfortable as you're setting that boundary. Sometimes the other person hates it and has a really strong reaction. But the fact remains that in your romantic relationships, at work, in friendships, in your family, you're going to have to set some boundaries one way or another. Boundaries are a way to value yourself. And they don't have to be scary. Or at least that's what our guest today, Nedra Glover-Tawab, writes about in her new book, Set Boundaries, Find Peace. Nedra is a therapist, a best-selling author, and a relationship expert. We talk about what boundaries are, why they're so important, and I get some strategies for setting and keeping boundaries even when other people in my life don't seem to want me to. And you know what? Maybe we're all going to get a little free therapy from this interview. You're welcome. Let's do it. Nedra Glover-Tawab, thank you so much for making the time and being here with me. I feel like we're going to go on a journey, and I'm very excited about it. Yes, I cannot wait. (laughs) You're recovering from COVID. I'm recovering from COVID. My first question is related to COVID. Oh, my gosh. I feel that since the pandemic began, and it has not ended because it is still happening, Mm -hmm. I've had to do a lot of work on my own boundaries because all of a sudden conversations about where we're meeting and what we're doing have become a way that I've had to learn how to exercise my own boundaries. And that has been a a real practice for me and really difficult. I wonder if that's something that you've thought of since the beginning of the pandemic or in your therapy practice, if you've been hearing about that from your clients. Absolutely. We were forced into it. When you think about people having to say to their families, you know, I'm not coming by for Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner, all of the celebrations, they're canceled for some folks. And that was kind of a force boundary. Mm. In 2020, some big things happened in our family. Family member got married. We did not go. A few close family members died from COVID and we did not go to those services. I'm so sorry. I think that there is this assumption like no matter what is happening, you should be there. And at the time, I remember 
We were very afraid to get on the plane because there was no vaccination, if you can remember that two years ago. Oh, I remember it very clearly, yeah. Yeah, COVID has changed the way that we socialize. It has changed the way that we're able to grieve. It has changed the way that we engage with others. I still say that I am just now starting to step outside of being quarantined, right? Mm. I'm starting to do a few more things socially. But yes, we are entitled to have whatever boundaries feel safe during this time. And what has been really surprising is the arguments we will have with loved ones and friends and associates about what's an appropriate boundary, what's an inappropriate boundary, right? Like, you don't have to wear a mask with me, or it's okay if we eat inside. It doesn't matter if it's 100 people at the party. It matters to me, and so it's important. Yeah, We really have to learn how to honor others' needs for safety, because that's really what it is. I don't feel comfortable. A lot of it is, I feel really anxious. You don't want me in a setting where I'm thinking about dying or, you know, just, (laughs) I don't even want to talk to people. You know, I I think we're not considering that. We're only considering ourselves when we are trying to push against the various boundaries that people are coming up with during this pandemic. But it's really about how they're able to feel safe. And yes, you're right. It is an ongoing process. It's not something that happened two years ago. There are many folks who are still putting up boundaries around how they will and will not spend their time. Yeah. I think the pandemic forced us into boundaries. Hopefully, it forced us to respect the boundaries of others. And it's really not about us agreeing with it, because that has been a lot of the arguing. Like, you should wear a mask. You shouldn't wear a mask. Mm. Who cares? (laughs) It's like trying to control someone else's body. Mm. We feel offended when someone wants to speak with us while wearing a mask. Like, I'm okay. It's like, actually, did you just take a test? Like, how do you know that for sure? So we have to respect when people are feeling uncomfortable, unsafe. We don't know their health challenges, what sort of line of work they're in. It is really important that we are still respecting the boundaries that people are laying out for us. My dad really rolled his eyes the other day when we met up to see a like live music thing. And I showed up with a COVID test and was like, here, dad, take this. And he was so annoyed, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And then two days later, I tested positive because I had tested negative that day. Mm-hmm. And I was really glad You know, like I was able to say like, okay, you don't have COVID because you didn't give it to me. Anyway, boundaries are really hard. They are really hard. (laughs) They feel awful. They do feel awful. It feels terrible to put in a boundary, especially if it is a new thing for you. I don't really know when it's going to feel less terrible. Maybe that's my question. Nedra, how long (laughs) in your boundaries journey in putting up new boundaries and getting used to that feeling of saying, no, this is my line, please don't cross it. How long does it take before it doesn't feel horrible every single time? Well, there are two things that can make it feel better. One is, you mentioned the example with your dad, 
we have a lot of personal power to respect the boundaries of other people. And the more we do that, the more they feel comfortable setting those boundaries. When we listen, it makes them feel safe and they feel like, oh my gosh, they listen to that boundary. Perhaps I can say this other thing. I can disagree in this way. Mm. So that's one thing that can make us really safe. People just acknowledging and adhering to our boundaries. Right, right. That's the long road, right? (laughs) How about the shortcut? (laughs) The shortcut is practicing it over and over and over until it feels natural and normal to you, and you doing it has nothing to do with how the other person responds. Right. So often we're not setting a boundary because we're trying to control your experience around the boundary. Don't be upset. Don't be mad. Right. When I was a kid, anytime I had to tell my mother something important, I would try to tell her how to feel. Okay, I have something really big to say. Don't get upset. Are you going to get upset? Right. I would make her promise. And once she said, okay, I'm not going to be upset, I'm like, okay, this is what I did. Because you don't want the person to be upset at you. Yeah. I don't do that anymore as an adult. But many of us still practice that, right? Mm. We still want people to be like, yay, you had a boundary with me. Great, wonderful. It doesn't go that way. Everyone has their own agenda. They have their own preferences. And setting that boundary, it's not a part of their program all the time. Well, I want to back up and start with a question that you use to open your book, which is basically, what even is a boundary? hmm Boundaries are statements that make you feel safe and comfortable in your relationships. And sometimes it is behaviors that make you feel safe and comfortable. A woman asked me today on Instagram, how can I set boundaries with my drinking socially? So that is a behavior. How do you drink less socially? Yeah. Sometimes it can be My mother-in-law keeps popping up at my house and you may need to say something to your mother-in-law. So it works in both ways. Before writing this book and for many years, I thought of boundaries as saying no or cutting people off. And that was the only way to have boundaries. I have learned that it's a lot of gray areas. It's all of these situations that we feel very uncomfortable about in our relationship. It's bigger than no. It is bigger than just cutting people off. Mm. Actually, boundaries preserve relationships. Cutting someone off is like the ultimate boundary, right? There are 1,000 other boundaries we can set before cutting people off. If you get to the point of cutting off, that's the boundary that you chose. But how else can we let people know, like your dad, like, hey, I want you to take this test. Do we have to cut him off? If someone is coming by our house unannounced, do we need to cut them off or do we maybe need to say to them, hey, before you come and visit, give me a ring so I just know you're there or I'll make sure I'm home? What you're saying is, or what I hear you saying is that sometimes people think that it's all or nothing. But in fact, there is a lot of space that you can give both yourself and the other person when you're putting in a boundary. Mm -hmm. I feel like when somebody has a boundary, one experience that I've had is if the other person has fewer boundaries in a particular area, 
there is a resentment that they have sometimes mm. against the boundary. Mm. Sometimes this happens generationally where someone at work, right? Maybe they're younger or in a lower position, but they have stronger boundaries than the manager above them who's saying, work on the weekend, work late, start early, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's a real resentment on the part of the person who is bumping up against the boundary. I wonder if you can address that or if that's something that you've observed as well. Yeah, I think in general, we feel best when people do as we do, right? It feels really great when, oh, wow, you're just like me. You're a great person. If you are different from me, it is now problematic. You don't want to work on weekends. You don't answer emails on vacation. It's now problematic because it is different than what I choose to do. So it's really important to acknowledge that boundaries are preferences. It's not a rule. It's not a fact. It is just what we choose to do. I choose not to work after 7 p.m. Monday through Friday. I choose not to go into the office on Saturdays. It is a preference for me Mm. because this is what makes me feel comfortable. There are tons of people who love working on vacation. They love working (laughs) evenings. It makes them feel fulfilled. Keep doing it if that's what you like. I'm saying I don't like it. And it's okay for me to think differently about this thing. And it doesn't mean that I'm lazy because I'm not doing things like you. Mm -hmm. So when we look at it as, oh, this is their preference. You mentioned work. I was thinking about the example of maybe friends shopping and having different budgets, right? Or even doing things like going out to eat and someone saying, hey, I don't want to go to that place. Is there another option for us? Or splitting the bill. Just all of these different things we bump up against socially where it's like, oh my gosh, this person is cheap. Actually, they're saving for a down payment on a house. Right. That's not very cheap. You make more money than this person. Their preference is not to eat at a restaurant where the steak is $75. Can we go to a chicken joint? Always my preference. Can we get fried chicken? Can we (laughs) get a slice of pizza while standing up outside? (laughs) Yeah, can we have like a strolling food truck situation? Yeah, (laughs) it's really based on the person. And sometimes people can't afford it and they just don't want it. Mm. But we don't have to argue them to think like us, to want to be like us. Perhaps we can find other people who enjoy these things. Right. One thing that I want to go back to that you said is that boundaries are statements or behaviors that make you feel safe and comfortable in your relationships. I would love to know sort of like the range of some of those things. Like what's a small one? Well, I think a small one is making sure we're appropriately pronouncing each other's names. Mm, Yeah. That's a really small one that can get really annoying. If someone's mispronouncing your name or mislabeling you, sometimes people might be using the wrong pronoun. Right. Sometimes we feel like it's best to just let it go. I don't want them to be upset at me. I don't want them to be mad when really we are thinking about this at 11 p.m. when we should be trying to fall asleep. We're like, oh, my gosh, this lady earlier. We're thinking about this stuff. And so I find that the things that we're ruminating about are typically things we need to address. It's so funny that you bring up this example because at the beginning of my career, 
I had been interning at a place and then they had started paying me as a freelancer. So I was no longer an intern. I was a freelancer, but I still thought it was like my little job to make good coffee, which in retrospect, bad idea. Anyway, I remember I was meeting someone in the coffee area, you know, a colleague, and they referred to me as as an intern. And I didn't correct them. Mm-hmm. Nedra, a year later, they still didn't know that I wasn't an intern anymore. You know what I mean? And I think that that affected my power relationship and my experience at my job for a really long time. That one tiny interaction. Mm. And I was really mad about it. I was like, oh, God, I wish I had corrected it. And then if I went back, it would be so weird if I was like, hey, by the way, I'm not an intern anymore. You know, like I flubbed one tiny interaction. I didn't have a boundary for one moment. And a year and a half later, I was still thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Stewing. It's never too late to set a boundary. I think we really program ourselves to think, oh, it's too late. The moment has passed. You've let this person do this thing for six months. You might as well let them do it forever. It's like, (laughs) whoa. So six months just turned into eternity? It's like, no. Yes, I let this go for six months, but now I am recognizing that this is an issue for me. I remember when my husband and I started living together and I don't like the flat sheet, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I was trying it. I was trying this flat sheet. I was trying it. it I mean, it had to be like two years. When you say flat sheet, I mean, some people call it the top sheet, right? Like there's the, the top sheet. The yes. top sheet. Yeah. The top sheet. I too am in a flat sheet, no flat sheet relationship. It's it, it's a it's a struggle. Yeah. I woke <laughs> up one day and I was like, no more. It was like something just came into my spirit. I'm like, no more flat sheets. <laughs> so, <laughs> no more. What did your husband do? He didn't mind. Isn't that wild? I thought I was like in this great system of compromise. Look at me, pat myself on the back. I'm a wonderful Mm -hmm. person. Look how I compromise. He didn't even care. I didn't even get any brownie points. (laughs) Jeez. I have given up the top sheet. I am that open a person. That's right. You're talking to someone, a flexible person (laughs) who deserves brownie points in their relationship. Are you listening, Steph? That's for you. Yeah, there are two type of people in the world. The ones who like that flat sheet and the people who don't. Who don't. I am on the don't side. (laughs) Too much betting for me. (laughs) So I feel like we're talking about like little boundaries. What are some of the larger boundaries that you have helped your clients through in your work? Because I think... You know, let's not get to estrangement or cutting off a relationship, but what's like just a little bit less than that? Mm. Some of the other end of the boundary spectrum. One significant thing that I've helped with a ton is helping clients become adults in their relationship with their parents. Real. That is a really big one because it is a struggle to get people to accept that they want to spend holidays differently. They want to maybe not do that yearly family vacation anymore. Mm. They may not want to talk to their parents every single day. So many different things that we continue to do because we've been doing them, but they have always bothered us. Mm. 
So really helping people step into their adult selves in those family relationships has been a huge part of the boundaries work that I've done. I would say with couples, it has been communicating what your needs are, communicating what you like and what you don't like. Because if you are agreeing to spend even this moment, this week, this year with a person, You need to be very clear about what is bothering you. And so often we just float through. We're throwing out like hidden messages. We're hoping that our partners sort of figure it out. We're hoping that there is some signal that they receive that we are secretly bothered by something. And they typically don't get it. I think back to my flat sheet using self. And I wonder if I was like kicking the sheets that night, like, like, I don't remember. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) What if I was like really being passive aggressive? I don't think I was, but that's typically what we do in partnerships. We hope that other person will figure out like, oh, this is bothering them. Let me take it off. Oh, wait, she wants more help with the dishes. It doesn't typically happen that way. Mm. We get our needs met by communicating them. And that can be really hard because there is this huge, huge, huge thing that I see all the time on social media. I saw a girl saying it. When people really love you, you don't have to tell them how to love you. Mm. What fairy tale was this in? Yeah. One of the most humbling moments in my relationship past was sort of coming to this realization that I wasn't getting what I needed and I I felt so ashamed to articulate that. I felt sort of like, if I really love this person, I shouldn't have to say all of this, you know? Mm. But once I said it, it really gained some power for me. I had a checkpoint that I could say, no, I articulated this, and I'm still not getting what I need. Mm -hmm. One of the things that it's really hard about boundaries or can be hard about boundaries is reckoning with your own feelings saying it aloud or writing it down or whatever whatever communication you're going to do, just the communication of it itself can be its own huge thing. Yeah. By unpopular opinion, I do suggest getting it out whichever way you can, in mm. person, by phone, via text, email, Whatever it is, because it is better out than in. I don't think we realize how hard it is for people to communicate with us. Yeah. Because they're thinking like you're going to be upset, you're going to be mad. If you need to just text me and say, hey, I can't go to that party instead of calling me or instead of waiting until, you know, we're in person, then please do that. Hey, when I get home today, can you please have dinner together because I've had a long day? You know, maybe texting that works best. Now, I think there are some heavier topics where, you know, maybe we don't want to break up through text or maybe (laughs) we don't want things that might require a conversation through text. But there are a lot of you know, small to mid-level boundaries Mm. that we can set via text without thinking too much about like, what do I say? What do I say? I'm not sleeping with the flat sheet anymore. That's it. That's the whole text, (laughs) right?
Okay, so you've done the difficult work of setting a boundary for yourself. But when someone in your life doesn't respect that boundary, someone like a friend or a family member or a partner, what do you do then? That advice is coming up right after the break. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Real talk. People don't always respect your boundaries. Mm-hmm. Even if you're specific, even if you've worked really hard to articulate it, you put it out there, there are some times when it's like a whole dynamic. Like the person loves to get under your skin or like enjoys the sort of experience of making you upset or teasing you. Are we talking about my kids? <laughs> They had an interaction earlier where they were really enjoying bothering each other. Oh, boy. I was like, oh, she's really getting under your skin. Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. It's good practice for the rest of the world. It really is. That's what those early family relationships are. It's really setting the stage for, you know, future engagement with others. Mm -hmm. I think when people habitually disrespect our boundaries, we have to try something different. Mm. I'm thinking of a relationship with someone who could not keep a secret. I mean, you could just tell them, please do not tell anyone. And guess what they would do? Go right ahead. They would tell people with the disclaimer, hey, don't say anything about this to anyone else. This was a secret. (laughs) That's not right. I think a a solution that you can manage is to not tell this person anything that's secret. (laughs) That's true. Because they've demonstrated that they cannot respect that boundary. Mm. So how do we change the way we behave with people who demonstrate that they can't respect our boundaries? There are times where people say, I know you told me that you didn't want to hear me talk about, you know, all the terrible things happening in my relationship anymore, but... That's a wonderful time for you to jump in and say, but I will not listen. Mm. You know, I suggested you go to a therapist. You're having some pretty severe issues and I do not want to middleman this with you. Right. And also, this is above my pay grade. Well, in your case, not because you are a therapist, but I, (laughs) it is above my personal pay grade. And also, you don't want to do therapy on your friends and family. At a dinner party? Mm -mm. No, I don't. I feel like one thing that I want to recognize here, though, especially when you're putting up a boundary with someone that you love, that you really care for, Mm -hmm. and you're, as you said, you're changing the way that something's going, you're changing a dynamic, you're trying to get out of a pattern, there is a grief that can come up. And I've felt this grief before where that boundaryless relationship was also a symbol of some special closeness. And you're having to let go of some of that closeness. You're not letting go of the relationship entirely, but you're letting go of the version of the relationship that had no boundaries. Can you speak to that a little bit? 
So there is a disappointment that you're dealing with. You know, I think in being in relationships with other people, the unfortunate risk is being hurt, being disappointed by people. And no matter how much people love us in some way, big or small, they will disappoint us because it's so unintentional. Usually when a person isn't respecting your boundaries, it's because they can't. It's not like they're like, how can I hurt Julia? Mm-hmm. How do I hurt her? Yeah. It is really because I just can't do this thing you're asking, or at least I feel like I can't. Mm. And so that comes across in our relationship. So it is harm to you, but it is also harmful to them. And you're right. You do have to grieve the loss of who you thought that person could be for you and reconstruct what's possible with the person that you actually have. Sometimes we will stay in those relationships. We'll keep doing the same thing, placing the same boundary over and over, but it's really on us to change the way in which we engage. I often hear like, my friend always calls me complaining. Every time we talk, they're complaining. And I think every time you talk, are you picking up the phone every time to be complained to? And I know that's a really hard boundary to say, instead of talking to this person every day after work, I will talk to them on Tuesdays. Right. That is what I can manage without being overwhelmed, having to call other people to process the stuff that's going on with them. Like, (laughs) one day a week. Yeah. (laughs) And it is really hard to think about, oh my gosh, we used to talk every day and here I am intentionally stepping back because I've set this boundary over and over and this person refuses to listen to me. I want to give somebody who's in this moment with us, you know, trying to take that every day down to a Tuesday call. (laughs) What's the good thing that's on the other side of that? What are they gaining by putting up this boundary? A relationship that's less stressful, a relationship that seems less contentious, a relationship that you receive more joy from. If you are in situations constantly where it's like, oh, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Oh, I can't believe they did this thing. Stepping back from that really cures that burnout because that's what it is sometimes. We get burnt out with people doing some of the things that we've asked them not to do. And then we start to complain and get upset and, Mm -hmm. you know, become anxious about having to engage with them. And so stepping back could be the healthiest option if you want to keep a relationship. And you know what? You don't know who might call you Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You know, you're opening yourself up to other relationships. Yeah, absolutely. You have more time to find relationships that are very fulfilling and to spend time in those. And maybe, you know, all relationships aren't going to be, this is happy. This is amazing. Every time I talk to this person, it's wonderful. Right. But there are times when you can have relationships where you just, yeah, oh, I talk to them. Right. Mm -hmm. And that feels better than you complaining about the relationship because you're forcing yourself to engage more than you're feeling comfortable doing. Sometimes people in general, not specifically me at all, might be a little conflict averse. You know, they just, they don't want to have the big conversation. They get really psyched up in their heads, get really scared, and then they bail. How often do you have to have like the boundary conversation or is ghosting okay? 
The boundary conversation. Well, I would say if you want to baby step boundaries, the best way to do it is to speak in simple sentences and not like we have to have a conversation right. about boundaries. Terrifying. That gives me like butterflies just thinking about it. Yeah, that sounds really overwhelming. Yeah. When really, I wonder if there's one sentence you can say that might communicate a need. I am not available to speak to you every day because I have a lot going on myself. So you may notice me talking to you a little less frequently. Mm. Do we need to say to this person, it's time that I set some boundaries with you because every day you call me after work and I'm so busy and it's overwhelming for me to talk to you. I've told you 50,000 times, you know, you don't seem to listen to me. That sounds like a lot. And that really is a conversation, but you can really make it about you and say, you may notice that I'm pulling back some. Now, ghosting. Ghosting is an interesting topic because I don't think that people believe that they are the type of person who might be hard to communicate with. But there are some people, when you bring them a boundary, it becomes an abusive situation. Belittling may occur. They may become really defensive. It may just be a really unhealthy interaction. And there are other situations of ghosting where it's like, I really can't say this to the person. I hope that they just start to get the picture when I stop answering their calls. I don't have the words. I don't feel comfortable. Ghosting is never an easy decision. It's not the best solution, but it is a solution. And sometimes it is the only solution we can see, particularly when the other person is really difficult or when we can't form the words to say it. Mm. I've posted about ghosting on Instagram to very mixed reviews. (laughs) (laughs) People have strong opinions about ghosting. Strong opinions because they've been ghosted. But here's the thing. I've been ghosted too, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And I understand why people ghost me. They can't say what they want to say. So they just stop talking to me. Right. I remember a situation where I had a friend and she was, you know, not very happy in her life. And I was getting married. All of these great things were happening. And I called her about five times and never heard anything, never heard from her again. I think... It was a lot to process when she wasn't in the space that she wanted to be in because that is something that she spoke about. How do you say to a person, hey, well, I I guess we couldn't think of a way to say this. Hey, I am jealous. I am envious. I am not in this space I want to be in. So I no longer want to talk to you. You know, people don't say that. They really don't. They just leave the relationship. And I was left like, I don't know what happened to her. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But... Behavior is a message. She doesn't want to talk to me. And so I stopped calling. I didn't send her a message to make her feel bad about it. I just stopped calling because I understood, oh, this is not she's busy. No, this is like, I don't want to talk to you. That is a message. And I hear it. Did she have to explain herself to me? Absolutely not. Because I don't know if she could have said it. Right. And so ghosting... It is really tricky, and I understand that people feel like, I need an explanation. But people don't always have one. Mm -hmm. And many of our relationships don't work out. 
You know, if you really think about it, like a lot of these things, they just sort of fizzle out or there's this like low level of non-harmful ghosting, right? Like we just sort of disappear. Yeah. But I don't know if we can make people give us a reason when they don't understand it or maybe they're not able to articulate that reason to us. I think on our end, we just have to deal with being ghosted. Like, ouch. Mm -hmm. How do I in my other relationships, maybe open the doors of communication. So if someone has an issue, I address it better. If I notice these sort of things, maybe there's something that I need to preemptively say to prevent another ghosting. Mm. I think sometimes when relationships end, we want closure. And that's why we want to have these continuous conversations sometimes. We want people to make us understand why they no longer want to be in relationships with us when that is, you know, I've broken up with someone before and you just want to be able to say like, hey, I don't want to be with you anymore. Goodbye. But when someone is like, but why? What did I do? Like they're trying to make it better. It's like, oh my gosh, you're making all these promises that I don't even care about anymore. And also they don't matter. They don't even matter anymore. At this point, I am out of here. Se fue. I'm gone. (laughs) That is the declaration. I'm done with this relationship. So ghosting is tough. I get why people do it. I'm a therapist, so I'm pretty flexible in my thoughts. I talk to people all day, and I know why they ghost some people. Sometimes it's no safer way to end the relationship. Mm -hmm. So it it is always tough. Are there any tips to, like, Pump yourself up before setting a boundary. Mm, Pump yourself up before. (laughs) I would say don't pump yourself up. I see. I think when we pump ourselves up, we deflate ourselves because we think about all of the things that could go wrong. We get into this very spirally way of thinking. Wow, I'm, I'm doing it right now. (laughs) Yeah, we think about very black and white outcomes. Like, if I say this, they'll hate me. Why is the human mind like that? Truly, why? Like, it's so annoying. It feels so universal, though. The world is very flexible, and we cannot add those black and white principles. And I think when you are averse to conflict, you are thinking of one outcome, and it is very bad. And it's really healthy to think about flexibility, that you can't control how this person feels and you don't know how they would feel. You are assuming that there will be some negative outcome from this. But there are many times, and I would say in most cases, when we set boundaries in relationships, that it actually goes well. Most of the time, people are like, okay, yeah, that's all right. That's fine. Maybe we'll just reschedule for another day. It's not as big as we think. Right. Keep it simple. If you can whittle your thought down to one simple sentence, I think it will be easier for you. Don't think of it as having a boundaries conversation as much as it is just talking to someone. Mm -hmm. We have to recondition ourselves towards not thinking that everything is rude. So often we are afraid to set boundaries because we're afraid to be rude. But rude is a societal thing that we just kind of make up as we go. 
Yeah, it's a social construct. It's a social construct. And it's flexible. It's very flexible. Oh my gosh, this person didn't hold the door for me. That was rude. Or, oh my gosh, they held the door for me too long. That was rude. You know, like, so we don't know when we're going to be offensive. We don't know when we're communicating and someone will be open to it. A lot of what we're doing in relationships is assuming. So if you are afraid of conflict, you really have to work on not assuming to know how the interaction will play out. Mm. I have one final question that is a little tricky that I've been thinking about since I read your book. Mm. What do you do when a boundary is held in a way that like absolves someone of accountability? Give me an example. So like, let's say somebody ghosts a longtime friendship. Mm -hmm. They just like don't have the words. It's over. And the other person is like, hello, I deserve a conversation. At least talk to me. At least tell me what it is that I did wrong. How do we control that? Our own impulse to say like, oh, I have to put up a boundary, maybe as a way of not dealing with the things that are more complicated. Mm. People are more than one thing and they can do bad things and not be bad people. And I think when we think of them doing things that we would rather them not do, it's always important to remember all of, you know, the times that they've been good to us, the times that the relationship has been good, even bad relationships. We stay in situations as long as we need to. And when we get tired of them, we make a change. Mm. And that's very hard because why wasn't I tired four years ago? Why am I so upset? You can be upset and move on from a situation. You can feel like that person owes you an apology and still offer them some grace for not being able to give you one. So both of those things can exist. You don't have to pick one side. They must do this or they must do that. This and. We don't have to vilify people because they aren't always kind to us. We don't have to make them out to be the worst person ever. They were great. They were good. It just did not work out. Or maybe they weren't so great, it wasn't so good, and it still didn't work out, you know? Yeah. But we don't have to hold them to a standard higher than we would hold ourselves because we make mistakes. (sighs) Well, I feel like that's like a perfect little to end on. Nedra, thank you so much for talking to me. It's really been a pleasure. I feel like I learned a lot, and I have a lot to do. <laughs> well, I am a therapist, so I guess I gave you a little bit of homework. <laughs> yeah. I think it's really important for us to remember that we're already setting boundaries, whether it's in our romantic relationships with our children, with our family, at work, with strangers, that to some capacity, We're already doing the work of boundaries, but there may be other areas in our lives where we need to get better with boundaries. We could be excellent with boundaries (laughs) at work and terrible (laughs) with boundaries in our friendships. Oh, I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) It's not like we don't possess the skills to get better. We just have to practice it in these other areas. Thank you so much. I'm really, I'm so grateful to you for spending this time. It's really been wonderful. You're welcome. (laughs) 
Nedra Glover Tawab's new book is called Set Boundaries, Find Peace. It's a New York Times bestseller, and you can get it right now. And you can find more from Nedra on Instagram at Nedra Tawab. That's N-E-D-R-A-T-A-W-W-A-B. Or at nedratawab.com. Even better on Vox.com is Julia Rubin, Alana Oaken, and Melinda Fuquade. This podcast is a special series on Vox Conversations produced in collaboration with the Vox Conversations team. Special thanks to Amber Hall, Amy Drozdowska, Eric Janikis, and Patrick Boyd. Find us on the web at vox.com slash even hyphen better. And stay tuned. There's one more episode next Thursday with me, your girl, Julia. Thank you so much for listening. 